The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and we are going to do some coaching cycle winners and losers. All the coaches have been hired. All the positions have been filled. All that's left is to figure out which one of these suckers is going to be without their quarterback that they thought they might have when they took the job to break down all of the winners and losers and also to talk about Deshaun Watson's apparently officially making a trade request. We'll do that in a second. Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, fellas? Hey, hey, hey. I'm making a trade request. We send Ryan Wilson to Brinson's house. Oh, that's gonna say, what about to the cover three pod for Tom Fernelli? Boom. You took the words out of my mouth, Brinson. Who's that dunking on me? You're Tom. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out like five podcasts in. Could be a double chip Patterson because we didn't mention him instead of you. Either way. Uh, we're not going to be at the Super Bowl, but we will have tons of content around the Super Bowl. And uh, if you want to win some stuff for free, just kidding. If you want to watch something for free, you can watch the Super Bowl for free. We'll be giving stuff away all, all week long, too. Kansas City Chiefs look to defend their title when they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl LV. Watch the game for free. On CBSSports.com and the CBS Sports app on your phone and connected devices or with your CBS All Access subscription. If you don't have CBS All Access, what are you doing? It is a fantastic service with tons of great shows like Frasier, Chappelle's show. <laughs> uh, Rick and Morty are on there? Are Rick and Morty on there? Uh, I'm not sure. Reno 911's on there, of course. Um, we also have a props game on the site. It's SpongeBob SquarePants is also on there. It is. Mm. So everyone should know. It's more important than Rick and Morty. SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, we have this props game, and you need to join that as well. Everyone loves making picks, no matter if you're a diehard fan or just tuning in for the big game. So you'll love this opportunity. Enter the CBS Sports football props game for your chance to compete for the $1 million jack- jackpot. That's right, $1 million if you correctly answer all the questions and a guaranteed fifty grand to the winner of the contest. And you can win all that money without risking a single cent. Football props is free to play. Just visit cbsports.com slash props or download the CBS Sports app to enter. Link is in the description of this podcast. Get all the props right. You win a million bucks. Why would you not go and fill that out? Or just download the app. You can like swipe left on swipe right on your phone, 
Search CBS Sports. Download. I'm sure you have to have an account with us, but you probably do if you play fantasy and listen to this podcast. And enter the enter the props for a million bucks. What you'd be insane not to do that. We should all enter, even though we probably can't win the money. We don't want to win the money, but we'll have a bet amongst us three about who does the best. Ooh, I like that. All right, good. All right, let's get to Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson officially made a trade request, according to multiple reports. And the way that it came out, it's pretty clearly, I mean, look, we knew Deshaun Watson wanted out. There was no, there was no doubting that. But on Thursday, we heard a report, we heard reports from Adam Schefter, you know, Jason Lacamfora, Ian Rappaport, and then the local guys like John McClain, Aaron Wilson. And when that happens, you know that you kind of know that what has happened is, you know, David Culley has been hired by the Texans and Jason Lacamfora and I have a podcast on that in the feed that you can check out. He's hired by the Texans to be their head coach. The Texans are hoping that that hire will appease Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson, you know, plays his hand by having his agent leak, go to the Texans and make a trade request and then leak that to the various insiders around the NFL. So that's, that's pretty obvious how that works. So it does feel like an official trade request. Um, by the way, exciting that John Breach, by virtue of the timing of this podcast, missed a shout out on the, uh, on the, on the all hands, the CBS sports all hands. Are you going to demand a trade request now? Uh, no, I want to stay here, but you should be traded because I wanted to finish watching the all hands and you made us start the podcast right now because you have somewhere to be. And Wilson and I, uh, were kind enough to listen to your demands and we showed up on time. You can't get your newsletter done until 1 PM. So otherwise we would have started sooner. Brinson, once you're in charge of the newsletter, you can use that yeah. statement against me. I don't think so. That just got a shout out. <laughs> What's that? The newsletter that just got a shout out because Breach apparently is doing pretty good. Well, Brett Anderson laid the base that set Breach up for success. Brett Anderson true. posing as Will Brinson laid the base. In theory, I laid the, the, the groundwork yeah, for your success. Always Fake Will like Brinson <laughs> laid the base. Phil um, So we'll assign winners and losers coming up uh, as well. Brady Quinn football show in the feed. But um, let's get to this sort of reaction. What are your thoughts here? Wilson on Watson actually making a trade request. This is the Pete Briscoe gift come to life. See ya. He's out. He's out like shout. And you can say whatever you want. I know Prisco was on HQ uh, earlier today when the news broke. By the way, I was on before Pete and I was sort of discombobulated. It was early in the morning. Um, I wasn't at a hundred percent. I actually forgot Deshaun Watson's name. So if you see that, Watch the first 30 seconds of it and you're saying like, what is this moron talking about? But Briscoe came on later and said, uh, he doesn't understand it. He understands Deshaun's frustrated. He understands that he doesn't like Jack Easterby, who was brought over from, uh, you know, the life coach that was brought over from New England. He wanted Eric Bienemy interviewed. He understands all that, but he signed a contract in September. He needs to honor it and the Texans under no circumstances to trade him. And my thought on this is pretty simple. There are a handful of guys in the NFL that have leverage. They're all franchise quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson is one of those guys with leverage. He controls everything. He has a no trade clause and he can sit out and he can sit as long as he wants and you can find him till the cows come home. He ain't playing. So I don't know. Maybe David Culley, who's known, uh, who's African American, who, who's been in the NFL for a very long time. He's known to be really good at, at sort of relating to players. Maybe he can have, uh, have a talk with Deshaun and somehow change his mind. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Apparently Deshaun 
uh, requested a trade several weeks ago, and clearly nothing's changed. This is the like worst case scenario for Nick Casario, the new general manager. He comes in, franchise quarterback, and he had it for 15 minutes. So then the question becomes, <laughs> what are you going to get for him? And whatever it is, it ain't going to be enough. It could be three first round picks in Tua. It could be the Jets second pick and the Jets pick in the twenties and another pick in Sam Darnold. It ain't going to be enough to make up for Deshaun Watson. Mm. So, uh, he's gone. Now the question becomes, where does he land? And also, 10 teams off the top of my head are in the running for Deshaun Watson. So it's not like he's going to be hard to, to move. And if anything else, uh, it will drive up the market for what he's worth. Uh, but the flip side of that, and we talked about this with Matthew Stafford, I believe, at some point last week, is if it's driving up the market, why are you offering more if you know the Texans aren't are going to get rid of him or if you know he's not going to play for the Texans? So the flip side is you lowball the Texans, if you think Deshaun Watson is willing to sit out the season as part of like some sort of stand of his principles, not to play for the Texans anymore, and he's willing to lose the paychecks that that would cost him, he's talking about he would miss nearly one hundred thousand uh, dollars if he skips minicamp. Uh, he loses. You now lose a game check if you skip a preseason game. So that's over six hundred thousand dollars per game. Uh, now we're into the millions of dollars he would be losing out on. Now I know that Sean Watts can afford to lose that money, but when you're talking about a total, uh, a he number, got, he that, already he already got his twenty seven million dollars signing bonus. Just so we're clear. Well, and he's going to have to give some of that back if no, if you if he if he retires he does. Otherwise he doesn't. Well, and that's what I'm saying. If you're the Texans and you don't trade him, then you're sitting out the season and you're getting fined, or you retire and you're giving the money back. Either he way, you're losing. Well, either way, you're losing millions of dollars. Okay. Do we agree that somebody out there, whether it's the Jets or Dolphins or Panthers or Steelers. 49ers or Steelers or somebody. Saints. Patriots. Saints, <laughs> Patriots. Football there teams. is somebody out there who will give enough to the Texans that will meet their floor for what they need in return for Deshaun Watson. And I'm well, not saying – Just real quick, I think the Texans are going to say, look, here's what we want. If you guys don't meet it, we're not trading them. Like, it's that simple. We want – whether it's two first-round picks or three first-round picks, they're just going to put that number out and be like, you either meet it. There's no negotiation here. You're either going to meet our demand or we're not trading him because he's a franchise well, You just said a team should lowball him. No, that's it. what I'm doing if I'm a team, but this is what the Texans should do. So this is completely opposite – Thinkings. JJ, See, I uh, think I think if you're the Texans, I disagree. I think you either have to decide: are we trading him or are we not trading him? And that you have to take a hard line stance on that. Yeah, but here's the thing: you can you can take a hard line stance all day long that you're not trading him, and then he pulls a Le'Veon Bell, and you're just left. Or a Carson Palmer, and you're going to end up getting less than what you would have gotten initially. So I understand. And Jonathan Jones wrote about this. I think it's on CBSSports.com right now. He said, expect the Texans to come out and say we're not trading him, which is what you're supposed to say, but. Also expect Deshaun Watson to be playing somewhere else at some point. Maybe he does sit out the year. I don't know. I don't think the Texans have any leverage other than we're going to make you sit. Deshaun Watson has a 27, has $27 million sitting in the bank. You can find him $100,000 every week and a game check on top of that every week till the cows come home again. I've used it twice already in this podcast. I've used it before, I don't think. And he don't, he doesn't care. You're not going to make him play. So you can be a jerk about it and. Here's the weird thing, and you hear Texas fans talk about this a lot. Steph Stradley, our buddy from back in the fan house days, is a huge Texas fan. She's been there from the beginning. She's been covering the Texans forever, writes for the Houston Chronicle, said that basically this is what it, what it came down to. Cal McNair, the owner, chose Jack Easterby over Deshaun Watson. Think about that for a second. Pretty stupid. And it, well, it sort of boils down to Cal McNair chose Jack Easterby over Deshaun Watson, and that therefore Deshaun Watson has decided I am not on board 
with Cal McNair. And like, this, is after, this is well, after one would, thing. This is after the, the Dre Hopkins thing. I mean, it's been one thing after the next. Well, no, but no, also, no, but this saying, is, remember, I think Deshaun Watson, he's been upset for a long time. Because remember, Bob McNair was the guy who said the inmates run the asylum. And so if there was a chance to fix things after Bob McNair passed away, Cal McNair hasn't clearly gone down that route because Deshaun Watson is still upset. I mean, does Cal McNair strike you as someone who knows how to run a football team or how to fix things that are wrong with a football team? Because he doesn't strike me that way. I always am curious of guys who have mustaches. I'll just say that. Mm. So um, you loved the 1980s then, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I, look, I think that you, if you, what you could, I think you almost need to take a Bengals approach to it where you're, you either say we're not, we are like you either embrace the trade, go out and get the best possible offer and auction them off and say, give us your best offer. And I mean, like, I don't think if you did that sort of thing, you're going to, I think whoever you're dealing with, you're going to get, you're going to engage enough where you can get to a point that you'd feel comfortable taking back what they're giving you as in two first round picks and Sam Darnold, two first round picks. and Okay. That's, but you said no matter what they give you, it's not enough. I'm just, I'm saying like you, you hold an auction. You say, listen, you send out feelers to the league. You say, listen, every, if you want, if you're interested, because people are going to be blowing the Texans up about this, right? It's going to be, a, it's going to be an insane yeah. deal when it comes down. But I, I think, in, you know, like you're talking about the Bengals and, and again, uh, the Carson Palmer trade was the last time something like this happened where a quarterback literally just said, I'm not playing for this team. Uh, it, you figure it out. If you want to trade me, I'll keep playing the NFL. Otherwise I'm not playing for you. And. That was a game of chicken, and the difference here is that the Texans actually have a general manager, where in Cincinnati, Mike Brown was the only decision-maker at the time, and he it was just him being stubborn saying, all right, well, if you're not going to play for us, you're not going to play for anyone. But then what happened is the Raiders uh, had a, a QB got injured, and so they were – Davis died. <laughs> so they were desperate. Hugh Jackson was in charge. So they were – yeah, exactly. And so the Raiders were desperate for a quarterback, and they're like, all right, call the Bengals, give them whatever they want. And so that's a situation – if maybe you're the Texans, you hold on to them till training camp. And if someone mm-hmm. gets injured, uh, all of a sudden you get anything you want. But I do think Houston They can get anything is, they want now. It's not going to be anything more in August. I don't know why we keep coming back to this. They are, they're going to – there are 10 teams. There are probably 25 teams that want this guy. It's not Carson Palmer where he was still really good, but he had been – what was that, 2011? So he was drafting – that was his ninth year in the league. Yeah, I, I also think that whoever trades for Deshaun Watson does not want to wait. You're like, you're not, it's not Carson Palmer where, and Carson Palmer is 32 at the time. So Carson Palmer is really more. You need more, a quarterback if you're the Texans. You can't wait till August and. The, the Carson Palmer comp would be Matthew Stafford. I think more so former first overall pick, yada, yada, yada. You have a big arm. Um, I, 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 you're not crazy breach. Like you, you don't have to make the deal right away. You can, if, if, if somebody isn't giving you what you want. You can play chicken with Deshaun Watson. That's my point. Is start the Texans... finding him and then still make the deal because the Jets at the end of the day, if they want Deshaun Watson that badly, they'll make the deal in July or you know, July. Or and August. also, think... by the way, it, you can, you can play chicken. He has no trade clause. So you can wait till August and then say, Hey, we're trading you to wherever. And he's like, Nope. And then that blows up in your face so that he has more Absolutely. leverage in that sense than Carson Palmer did, who I'm assuming didn't have a no trade clause. I'm not sure. Well, the Absolutely. flip side of that, what if, what if, uh, the Detroit Lions, offer the Texans three first round picks and Deshaun's like, I don't want to go to Detroit. So if you're the Texans, you're say, well, you either go to Detroit or sitting out. We're not going to sit here and be lowballed because we're trying to appease you, but you got to work. You got to help us help you, man. So that's where the dynamics get interesting. Cause if they get a good offer from a team, Deshaun Watson does not want to go to, 
that gets uh, a little well, see, this, But this is why I think it's kind of important. You need to either decide, are we going to try to trade him between like now and the start of free agency yeah. or are we not? Because once you make that decision, you can say, okay, listen, uh, agent, here's a list. You got four weeks. Let's make it work. Well, let's we'll say go, you know, go because he has no trade clause. So you say go give us, a, find a list of teams that Deshaun is willing to go to. It needs to be a list of 10 teams minimum. And we will work for, we will work for something. And maybe and that I guarantee is, you there'll be more than 10. And I guarantee if you say we're working on a four week time frame, those teams will bust their ass to figure out a way to get you everything you want. I mean, but, if you wait till August, you get what well, you want. Well, and there's also but, reports but that's, that. That's, that's sort of my point is don't try and have your cake and eat it too. If you're the Texans where like, see if you can work it back in the fold, you have to sit down, make a decision and decide whether or not you're trading him. Cause that, that's the only way you're going to get the best possible offer or the only way where you can really leverage Deshaun and make him sweat throughout the offseason. And there was a report that the Lions have already been contacted by one-third of the teams in the NFL about Stafford. And if one-third have called about Matthew Stafford, that means literally everyone except for the Chiefs should have already called about Deshaun Watson. And the Bills, maybe. And the Bills. And the Bengals. I mean, there's a couple teams, but like 80% of the league should have already called about Deshaun Watson. Right. And so... If you're one of those teams, you need to, like, if you're the Texans, figure out what you're going to do. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, like a decision tree, basically, right? Like, are we trading Deshaun Watson? Yes or no. And then those go in different paths. There's no maybe. You just need to decide yes or no. <laughs> are we good? I mean, but that, I get, couldn't you see the Texans doing that? Calvin Air has a maybe on every decision tree that he makes. I mean, where, yeah, it's like, well, maybe. Where they sort of try to trade well, him, but then they don't get enough. So they're like, maybe we'll keep him. No. Pick whether you're keeping him or trading him. Go find out what the best offers are. And at the end of the day, if you took two first round picks, two second round picks, and Sam Darnold from the Jets, I don't think anybody would kill you for it. No, I mean, if you Wait, just got two first round picks from Sam Darnold, I think nobody would kill you for it. Two well, first, two first, a second, and Sam Darnold. Oh, uh, I mean, that's probably a starting point. Like, uh, I, I put in, I put in Slack, there was ESPN floated, uh, two first round picks and TJ Watt. That ain't enough. Oh, I mean, I, why? Why would you? Why would you take TJ Watt when JJ Watt doesn't want to be in Houston either? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love TJ Watt. He's the best player on that team. But I don't know if two first round picks and, and the best pass rusher, one of the best pass rushers in the league, who's twenty four, twenty five, and they're not good picks either. Yeah, we can use the two to get one that's higher. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I think one. One of the, of the I picks, think the one that makes most sense is the Dolphins trading Tua and two first round picks. To the text like that who, from a logical standpoint, that feels like it makes no sense. But who does anyone like? We say Tua as a throw-in. I'd rather have Sam Darnold. Um, does anyone want Tua? Like, is he going to go start? Hey, you got Tua. off that bandwagon fast. Well, I mean, hard to believe you're, you're saying the Texans would turn that down because they don't want Tua. Hard, hard to believe it's been 12 months since you were saying that Justin Herbert sucks and Tua is great. Yeah, I think you were on that same bandwagon. No. Yeah, but I'm not. A, I'm not the junior drafting list. I think the best fit would be the 49ers. I'm not sure if they have the capital to work out a trade. You but. know what? The, oh, I don't know about the capital, but JJ made this point in HQ that um, because of the the signing bonus being paid to Deshaun, his cap hit next year is only like 10 million. So Dude, you his say, his his contract is very reasonable. So you can work around that. No I, think matter who I think it's 15 million in his cap hit. So. Whether you're the Steelers, whether you're the 49ers, whether you're the Saints, who have so the worst the 49ers, catch you throw in Jimmy Garoppolo and your next two first-round picks. You think the I would Texans rather have do Jimmy that? G than Tua. Does, do you want to disagree with that? I mean, I don't think Tua helps you, but Jimmy G does. 
two first round picks. In, but if you're in, the Dolphins, you have to feel like you're in this window where if you get Deshaun Watson, you're in a Super Bowl window now. This team went ten and six with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. You put Deshaun Watson back there. Oh, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying I don't think Tua is like gonna light up anyone's telephone in terms of warning them. I, well, I just think with Tua and Sam Darnold, they're basically the same. I'm higher on Sam Darnold and always have been. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't that high on Tua. I definitely had him above Herbert, but uh, like I think it's basically the same thing. You're taking a gamble on a former first round pick, a top five pick, and whether or not they have un- unrealized potential that you can exploit to your benefit through that, through the trade. Cause like if you get 75% of Deshaun Watson from one of those guys and you get a couple first round picks, we could look back on this in five years and say that the Texans won the Deshaun Watson trade, which is sounds crazy to think about, but it, it is not off the table. Uh, Deshaun's cap hits, by the way, $15.94 million next year. What a juke. Luke, Luke. Um, 40.4 the following year, 42.4 the following year, 37.4, and then 32. Very, it's a, that's a deal that's structured very recently. Just take the cap hit next start for 2021 when it's supposed to go down. Uh, uh, this is the one thing the Texans did well was accidentally signed to Sean Watson to a, a contract that, that was like, co- like ended up being good for the COVID purposes, uh, the COVID cap purposes. Okay, so we'll have a lot of Deshaun Watson talk coming up, but that is official that he has the uh, trade request has been made. Let's take a break. When we come back, coaching winners and losers. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. So, quick recap of the hiring and firing cycle. Jets fire Adam Gase, hire Robert Sala. Jaguars fire Doug Marone, hire Urban Meyer. Chargers fire Anthony Lynn, hire Brandon Staley. Eagles fire Doug Peterson and hire Nick Sirianni. Falcons hired Arthur Smith in the midseason firing of Dan, Dan Quinn, obviously. The Lions hired Dan Campbell, midseason firing of Matt Patricia. And the Texans hired David Cully, midseason fire, early season firing of Bill O'Brien. Uh, who would like to go first on a winner or a loser? Or a winner. Yeah, you can go winner or loser. Hmm. Rachel, want me to go? Uh, you know what? Right, uh, let me put it this way. Who wants to take David Cully as the loser? I will take David Cully as the loser. Um, look, you're David Cully. You waited <laughs> this long. You're 65 years old. You were the oldest person ever to be hired to be an NFL. The- Fifth head oldest coach. head coach in the NFL right now. 
You have been in the NFL for 27 years. You have been on some of the best coaching staffs. Uh, Andy Reid, I think 17 or 18 years with Andy Reid, 1999 to 2016. Been on a staff with Bill Cowher, with John Harbaugh. Everything has been good. And then your first head coaching job is this. You're walking into an absolute nightmare. Your star quarterback doesn't want to play for your team. Uh, let's see. That is a huge problem because now you have to find a quarterback, which isn't even your job because you have to trust that the general manager who you've never worked with uh, is going to find a quarterback for you. And then the rumors that the, the owner wants to hire Josh McCown, well, guess what? He didn't hire him to be head coach, but he put him on your coaching staff as if he's waiting for you to fail so that he can hire Josh McCown without facing any of the scrutiny that he would have faced if he did it this year. And, oh, again, did I mention you're 65 you don't have a lot of time to sit around for the franchise to turn around. So if this Deshaun Watson thing is blown up and you have to start from scratch, this could be a five-year rebuild. All of a sudden, you're 70. Uh, I feel sorry for you, David Cauley. I feel sorry for Texans fans. That is every just everything about the Houston Texan organization is my loser for this coaching hire. This is like Wade Phillips and, and Jason Garrett being hired to look over his shoulder. And you know it's only a matter of time for Jerry Jones gets gets a trigger <laughs> finger. And the only difference is Wade Phillips actually was a previous previously a head coach and a coordinator. And then just as we just as I said, five year rebuild, uh Tom Pelicero is saying that the contract is a five year deal. So he could be coaching in Houston until he's seventy if he can somehow build the franchise from and, scratch. And Jason Locker Forrest said on our David Cully hired by the Texans podcast, which you can listen to in the feed, that the uh, belief is that Josh McCown, who's not even the, the offensive coordinator, um, is either, they haven't even hired him officially, I don't think, right? Either, I think they're like aiming for him to be the quarterback's coach or something like that. He's getting into coaching. He's a high school coach now and has been a high school coach. He lives near Houston. So the, the goal for him is to be able to see his family and also come in. So he can't be the offensive coordinator. I think that's asking two, like two game plans is a bit much. Maybe. Maybe he'll be like an quality controller. I don't know. He's, he's going to be a coach. He's not going to give up the high school job if he's still coaching the Texans. Is that what you're saying? I, I think so. <laughs> no, did you not read where it was like they were talking about <gasps> for him, they were going to hire him for the full time job? It was like the only way he would do it is he was still able to go to see his kids play on Friday night, which is cool. Like good for him, but then you're not ready to be coach, an NFL right. coach. And so, I, but I think they're grooming, potentially grooming him for the future. I just can't see. Maybe, maybe he's boys with Jack Easterby. Imagine going into a job interview and say, listen, I am not capable of doing two game plans a week. So I'm going to have to balance that. But again, if there's any organization where it would happen, it certainly feels like the Houston. What if he just took the Texans game plan and used that in his high school game and then they lost all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I see the real winner is Bill O'Brien. He's now the offensive coordinator at Alabama. (laughs) That's a good, that's actually, do you want to, that's not your official winner, right? No, I was just thinking about my loser. I mean, I think, I think, look, David Culley is a clear cut. Yeah, you don't want to call him a loser because no, he himself is not a. It it is the situation is a losing situation. It's set up right. for failure. So just to be clear, uh, he the Texans organization is the overall loser for just being so. Oh, I mean, David Cully is a loser in the in the situation, but I mean, he had to take the job. He's Didn't been. What's that? Didn't have to take it. This is your. This is the only look you were getting. You've been in. You've been coaching the NFL for twenty six years. You coach on Andy, Andy Reid, everybody, everybody and their brother, except for Eric Bieniemy. Hmm, interesting with David Cully, who works for Andy Reid, gets looks coaching now. He coached for Andy Reid for like 18 years, 13 with the Eagles and, um, four or five with the Chiefs. By the way, as a wide receivers coach with the Chiefs, uh, he was there for 2014. Remember that wide receiver group in the Chiefs in 2014? 
That's, uh, touchdown pass. Zero touchdown passes. And was he was the say. passing coordinator for the Ravens last season, ranked dead last in passing. So, I mean, there is – this is the perfect odd couple that the Texans went out and hired uh, somebody that completely surprised us. But also, you know, you hear about – Apparently he's got great leadership skills. He's been on all these coaching staffs, but maybe there's a reason he hasn't been a head coach. So maybe these two are just a perfect match for each other. Yeah. And so, but I mean, to that point, I think if you, if you're, if you're David Culley, you, this is the only chance you're going to get for a look as a head coach. So if you, if you want to try and become a head coach at your age of 65, this was, this was your shot. So in that sense, I totally understand why he took the job. If he's a 35-year-old hotshot coordinator, he's not taking this job. He's passing on this job, and and he is not a loser because he took the job. He's a loser because the second he took the job, Deshaun Watson issued a formal trade request, which is sort of a slap in the face. Um, but I don't disagree with it at all. What about uh, you, Wilson? Who's a loser for you? Eric Bieniemy is the obvious one, but I'm going to go with Nick Sirianni, uh, Debo's guy, because he's coming into a situation – Again, he's not a loser. The situation is fraught with peril. Let's put it that way. He's coming into a situation where clearly Carson Wentz won the, the power struggle with, with Doug. Doug's out, taking a year off, getting his mind right. Carson Wentz, is he ever going to be the Carson Wentz we saw in two, 2017? I don't know. I would imagine he was injured at some point or for all points of the 2020 season and he will get healthy. But more than that, the, your buddy Jeff McClain wrote a story afterwards about how, you know, it, there were some duplicitous deception whatever you want to call it, um, sort of behind the back stuff going on with Carson Wentz and, and, and the organization and how he didn't own him to his mistakes. And that's a concern if he's your franchise quarterback. You're a young coach coming in. A coach, by the way, with no coordinating experience. He worked under Frank Reich, which is the connection that everyone is sort of honing in on because Frank Reich had the success with Carson Wentz in 2017 when he was there. But Sirianni hasn't called plays. and Maybe that's not important if he's got to be in charge of motivating this guy. And, and if he can do that, that's great. But I don't know if that's going to magically flip a switch and, and Carson Wentz is going to return to form. And, and more importantly, they have to figure out the offensive line. They have to figure out the the receivers. There, There's a report that Zach Ertz won't be back. Um, Dallas Goddard is going into the final year of his deal. So there's a lot to sort out. So um, I understand why you take the job. There are only 32 of them. But I, I don't think it's going to be an easy transition, as easy as it might, might be for um, some of the other guys that are hired that might have a better chance of success early on. I think that's fair. And it's, it is weird too with Sirianni where, you know, the Eagles fired, like Doug Peterson hired Frank Wright. And so then they fired Doug Peterson and they, like, they hired Doug Peterson because it felt, felt like they had some FOMO or some, some, you know, some buyer's remorse by getting rid of Andy Reid, who was doing well in Kansas City. So they hired Doug Peterson from Andy Reid and then they fired Doug Peterson. And then they hire the guy who worked under Frank Reich in Doug Peterson's role under Andy Reid, which is, it's just, it's very weird. It's like you're, it, like you ever have a friend who, you know, no matter like whatever hobby it is you do, like, it's like, like, you know, like you'd be like, Hey, let's, uh, like, like they just like jump around it. Like they just do whatever the trendy thing is instead of just doing what they, what they think is best. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Breach. hundred percent breach. Oh, how what? How ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, you're just oh mad at me because my net worth went up $6 million because I did the trendy thing and bought the GameStop stock, Ryan. Did you hey, buy GameStop way, stock? None of your no, business yeah, now. He did. I hope way, you didn't buy it because you, I mean, you didn't make, you're getting your face kicked in right now. Cause I, I showed to, up for the podcast. I, I forgot to mention this. On a private jet to St. Lucia. God. 
God. I forgot to mention this when Breach was talking about the Texas a second ago, but um, you realize that Mitch Trubisky actually lasted longer in Chicago than, than Deshaun was going to last in Houston. Wow. I mean, they're both uh, one's going to get traded, but then presumably Mitch isn't coming back. But there's a chance. That's a that's a great stat. So, by the way, uh, as we were talking, GameStop, <laughs> I mean, GameStop shot up to four thirty one on uh, Thursday. And it's cratered back down to 226 and Robin Hood has been, um, is in the middle of a class action lawsuit. What, what happens first? Robin Hood's lawsuit settled or Deshaun Watson traded? Uh, I think old Robin Hood's going to be a pretty, a prompt affair. Robin Hood is the Houston Texans of trading right now. Just a total disaster. Nothing's going well. They've blown it. It's, there's some great Deshaun Watson, Robin Hood jokes out there. I saw PFT commenter and Mina Kimes both had a good one. It's like, it's like PFT's like Deshaun Watson. If you need to get, if you want to get traded, don't call Robin Hood. Don't put your trade in because it won't get processed. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. I mean. I. But I think the. I don't know. The Eagles. That's an uphill battle. I, I was. I was surprised that Nick Sirianni took it. You would. You would think that. Maybe he felt like he needed to pounce while the iron was hot. Philip Rivers gone. But man, you know, it, he. He has to, and maybe Frank Wright gave him some advice. I would hope he did. I would hope he said, you know, this is a good, you know, this is why it's good, but they just fired his old boss. That's so weird that they would, that he would, if you're Nick Sirianni, don't you go to Frank Wright and be like, uh, is this a bad idea? Cause the guy who you were with just won a Super Bowl and he just got fired. Is you do this? What if you're Nick Sirianni and you get to spring practice or mini camp in June and you're just clearly in the mindset that Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz? I don't know. Then what? Debo, how do you feel about Sirianni and how do you feel about Breach's theory? I think Debo has jumped on another call. Okay. That's what I would do if I didn't want to talk about this either. (laughs) Uh, uh, It involves something about the Super Bowl. I don't know if you heard about it. Uh, Man, so this is a tough one. You guys took the two obvious losers here. I don't. I I left you. um, I won't. Yeah. Uh, Oh. That was going to be mine until you said one of us had to take Collie. I was actually going to do Detroit. Yeah, but all right. So let's talk about Detroit really quickly. I I think originally I would have said that Dan Campbell is the loser there, but I think he's done a really good job. He's like building out a staff that everybody really likes. So here's the thing. I'm all in on Dan Campbell because I've been saying for months that you have to have someone who motivates. Now he may not be, he might just be an insane meathead. I don't know, but I'm, I'm willing to see how far this bite kneecaps business goes. I mean, it's something different. I said it's different than Matt Patricia 180. Let's see. And you don't, like I, I say all the time, you don't necessarily need to know X's and O's. He said he doesn't know them. So maybe that's a good thing. So why is it a loser? Well, I was, if it's a loser, if they, it's because here, here's why the, the Lions job would be a loser situation. By the way, when did Sean Watson tweet out, I like the Chicago weather? 2013. <laughs> I didn't want to tell Sean. <laughs> I didn't want to tell Sean that. <laughs> it had to have gotten retweeted, right? Breach put it in the Slack. I don't know if you uh, saw okay. it somewhere or looked at it. You texted it to Sean. Um, bleep Wagner McGuff. So yeah, I think here would be the, the reason they're losers that I think, I think one of the things that even we don't do as like professional analysts is sometimes dive into what's happening behind the scenes for a team. You know, it's easy to be like, all right, GM, head coach, this is why things suck. And it's, it's not hard to do when like a guy like Jack Easterby makes a big, makes a big 
deal about being involved and, and things are going on. He's trying to grab power. Like that's obvious that that's the, that's the reason why the Texans are crumbling. But I think there's some stuff going on with the Lions too that people don't fully have a grasp on specifically like President Rod Wood, who has said in the past that he is not involved in football matters, not a football guy. And then this past year after they fired, uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, he was heavily involved in the decision to waive Marvin Hall, which is, I don't know if we wrote a story about waving Marvin Hall. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was such a nothing burr. I mean, Marvin Hall's an okay receiver came in and played some for the Browns after he got cut, but like your football, your president of football ops or whatever he, he's not a VP of football ops. He's the team president. Like he's a business guy who again has said he's not into football is football's not his thing. He should not be involved in the day-to-day minutia of running the team. And then we have this report that says Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell are both going to report to Rod Wood. Correct. So this guy has grabbed a bunch of power there. And, like, it's almost worse than Jack Easterby. You know, Jack Easterby is at least pulling it off in a little finger fashion. This guy's like, grabbing it in, in like, a Wall Street fashion and just taking control. Because you have Sheila uh, Hamp, who's the new owner, now replacing Martha Firestone Ford. You know, they, she's new on the job. So she, she, who's she going to trust? She's got to trust the people who've been with the organization, which if you're Detroit, maybe don't do that. Maybe blow the whole thing up. But then they bring in Chris Spielman, who legendary Lions player, but I don't know that he's a, was a great announcer. I wasn't a huge fan when he was the Fox and he was basically had all the influence on the coaching staff, which is why you have Dan Campbell getting hired and Dan Campbell talking about biting kneecaps off. And so you have it's if this thing is being run by Rod Wood and Chris Spielman and immediately Matthew Stafford is asking for a trade and they're acquiescing to his demands in a very, you know, we're breaking up and everything's fine, mutual parting ways kind of way. This feels like it could go south really, really fast. It or could. south, more south. How can you go more south if you're the Lions? It, it could, but I, I just want to see how on the field how it works. I'm interested to see because I've been talking about you want to see Campbell get kicked out of the NFL for actually biting someone's kneecaps off? Is that what you want to see, Wilson? He is different. Like, I don't even know who's number two on that list of crazy coaches. Like, Mike Vrabel looks like he'll be, yeah, but he doesn't act like he's, he's a, he's a coach's coach. He's, he's not going, you know, he's not a, an insane person on the sidelines. Like, who's the most, who's number two on the insane list after Dan Campbell? I don't even know who it is. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Okay. So this is actually from today. Good call, Breach. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that Mike Disner, promoted to senior VP, senior VP of football and business administration. Um, and then Disner, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell all report to Rod Wood. I don't mind the structure. I guess I could just see Rod Wood. All these guys are being promoted or new to the organization, which means that Rod Wood, this is basically Rod Wood's running the team. He's basically a de facto owner at this point. And, well, I would have serious reservations about that. But there, every team has a team president. Yeah, but he's been with the Lions for a long time. How have the Lions been for the last 20 years? Not great. Like, I, I just, if I, if I want, if I have a guy who all the football people are reporting to, I wanted to have some, I mean, I don't know, it's a tough balance, but it just feels like this guy's, I mean, he's, he's, Dan Campbell's not reporting to Brad Holmes. But those three guys are reporting to Rod Wood. So if things get rocky, you're going to have a power struggle between Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, and Disner. 
and things are going to get rocky because it's Detroit and they're trading their franchise quarterback. The only other team I was going to say is a loser, but I was scared. All I could think about was the salt that I would get on social media. Oh, you're going to get so much. Just say it, Brinson. I don't know, man. Because I don't know who's talking about. All I'm picturing is the social media team creating an Instagram graphic or like a little graphic. It's like losers coaching search, Brinson, Jaguars, Urban Meyer, and just getting obliterated by both Ohio State fans and Jaguars fans. Well, Urban Meyer's wife already hates you, so go ahead. Well, I'm, Shelly, Shelly blocks me on Twitter. I mean, so she's like an honorary member of the Carr family then. Right. <laughs> she questioned my parenting skills on Twitter publicly because I wondered whether Urban Meyer would have stepped away from Ohio State with the health issues if his team had been in the college football playoff. I think it was that crazy to question. Um, I don't know how that turned into a question about your parenting skills, but that's a fascinating connection she made. Mm-hmm. I had Robbie in my avatar, I think. At that point, I think I was like, I need to make it a picture of me. <laughs> uh, but so. The picture I don't, of you and Deshaun Watson? I, here's I keep why, sharing it. Just make it your profile picture. Okay. Here's why I would say that the Jaguars are, would be a loser is that we don't know how Urban Meyer is going to be as a head football coach in the NFL. And we do know that Urban Meyer has had at, has had short Shelf, a uh, short shelf life at various stops. Now he's had incredible success everywhere he's been. All college programs, but like, uh, where was he? He wouldn't be, where is it before Utah? He was somewhere Bowling, before Green. Bowling Green in the Mid American Conference. That's right. He was the, at Bowling Green when I was in college. He's at Bowling Green and then Utah. And at Utah, he had Alex Smith and he knocked off Bama in, a, in the Sugar Bowl. Then he went to Florida and won multiple titles. Then he went to Ohio State and won a title and went to the playoff a bunch. He's, there's nothing not to like about Urban Meyer's coaching record. But I do think there are some concerns with Urban Meyer in that if, what if he's only here for a short period of time? What the Jaguars had such a perfect situation with the first overall pick, tons of cap space, tons of draft picks, some young talent on the roster. And what if the Urban thing doesn't work out? They, you know, I, he, like, they elevate Trip Balky. To GM, I just feel like they had a chance to do a hard reset and to go after some like up and coming. Hard reset. Oh, it's a hard reset. All right. But here's the thing that your, your question about longevity is a, is a real one because he's never stayed anywhere long, mostly because of health issues. So that's a concern. But, and this is what Prisco says. He's a Jacksonville guy. In two years from now, this team has to be winning double digit games. Like there's no excuse if you're not. Trevor Lawrence, all these draft picks, all this cap space, there are no more excuses. So if you're not winning double-digit games, then it, it has not worked out for whatever reason. I don't think it's a um, loser situation, but I understand your trepidation. They they were able to get Urban Meyer. I just don't, I just wonder how coveted Urban Meyer actually was. Oh, I don't think it matters on the covetness. I think it matters that Jacksonville need to make a splashy hire. This team can't sell tickets. Uh, they've been bad for so long. You had to make a move where fans kind of just wowed them, that wowed your fans. Yeah. And that's what bringing Urban Meyer does, who's never lost anywhere he's been. And you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. And if Urban Meyer has to quit after two years, then it becomes a dream job for the next person. So I think that's that if you're Jacksonville, well, there's no risk here. And well, by if the Urban way, Meyer quits after two years, then I'll stand by my loser's comment. And by the way, to Breach's point, if you look at the other six hires, they're all first-year hires, and all no one's buying extra season tickets because those names are hired. 
It's it's by far the biggest splash. He he headlines the class. And I would anticipate when people do coaching grades or whatever, ranking the coaching hires, that he's probably first or, or close to the top and that he's has the highest grade. So that's fine. I just have my I have my trepidations about it and I'll take the old takes exposed, whatever. Put it on social media. I think the Jaguars are a loser for how their search ended up, even though I'm going against the grain and I'm sure that I'll I'll hear about it. And that has nothing to do with his wife tweeting at me. All right. Winners. To the winners. Uh, I have a couple that I could use. So I'll let you go first, Breach. Wait, who is your loser? You said Urban Meyer. Oh, yeah. No, No, I don't think Urban Meyer's a loser. No, Urban Meyer, he did not. He said I was going to say Urban Meyer. I I thought you decided to go with I think the Lions or the Jaguars, social media team. Okay. Now we'll say, we'll say the Lions. And, And by the way, like I give credit to Urban Meyer. I don't think there's a human being on the planet Earth who is better at job selection than Urban Meyer. He he picked Florida because it was primed to be brought back up and like resurrected into a powerhouse at a time when Nick Saban, you know, like the SEC was winnable. And he bolted and then he he waited and he waited and he waited. And then Ohio State opened up when Jim Trestle was fired and he pounced and it was prime to be a powerhouse. Like that's he is a great football coach. He might be better at picking jobs than he is at uh, coaching football, which is why he's a winner. Oh, yeah, winner court. All right, there I am well, I was glad. I, I try to trying to bait you into common loser because he's my winner. Oh. Uh, I, I think it is or my. I think Jacksonville. I think this is the first time any of us can sit here and say Jacksonville did something that was the most exciting in an off season. They're always doing dumb things like extending Blake <laughs> Bortles. Or some other dumb decision where you're like, what, what is this team doing? Like, who is running this organization? And then you see them go out and hire someone like Urban Meyer. And look, is, could that be a failure? Certainly. We've seen college coaches fail at the NFL level before. We saw Nick Saban fail. Sometimes they succeed. Sometimes they fail. This is not a lock, but what it does, it gets fans in Jacksonville excited. Uh, you know, you're getting Trevor Lawrence. So if you're Urban Meyer, also excited. And this team hasn't been good for so long that literally if they just go eight and eight next year, I think everyone in Jacksonville would be thrilled, especially after a one in 15 season. So your first year, if you're Urban Meyer, the bar is set so low that you can trip over and it won't matter. You go five and 11 and you still did way better. Uh, and people will view you, you know, you said Prisco said they need to have double digit wins by his second season. And that may be the case. So you have a mulligan your first year. You can do anything in that first year and it does not matter. You will not be viewed as a failure. Uh So I, I loved the Urban Meyer hire as much as Brinson hated it. And my out of the box winner is the Bengals because now after they fire Zach Taylor after the shield to be able to get Eric the enemy. Oh, he's turned on Zach Taylor. Now, no, now mark just, the date. No, it's a win-win. If, if Zach Taylor does well in his third year, you keep him and you're rising up. If he does bad, then you fire him and you go get Eric Bannemi. So Let it's me ask win, you this. You, win. Do you think he's going to do well in his third year? Uh, I, I, I think he could. <laughs> I think they could get – I mean, we, we don't need to know what I think. By the way, that, that answer you just, that answer you just gave – that's the same answer you give when, when your when your kid asks you, "Hey, am I really good at basketball?" <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Look, Breach, we're gonna go to like the Bengals preview before the twenty twenty one season. Like, all right, Breach, what what you know? What do the Bengals need to do to consider a successful season? Breach, you're like, well, you know, win five games and Joe Burrow doesn't die. Like, right. <laughs> like that's a good like. All right, good job. Go see if you can make it happen. I see a path for Joe Burrow to go ninety seven. <laughs> uh, by the way, Devo has put in the, the rundown to, uh, Urban Meyer, all caps, note for social under my losers. So. 
My winner is Robert Sala. Mm. I think he's coming into like the ownership situation is always dicey with the Jets, but um, I think they're on the right track with Joe Douglas, the GM. They have to figure out the Sam Darnold situation. They have the second pick. They have a pick in the twenties. They have a ton of cap space. Um, they have Makai Becton coming back. They have Denzel Mims coming into year two. They need to add some playmakers, but they can do all those things. I think he has a, a chance uh, to be a really good coach because he doesn't, he, again, motivator. That's where I'm going with that. I'm much more comfortable with him uh, in terms of getting the troops riled up than, than Dan Campbell. I just think Dan Campbell could be like a, uh, like a pro wrestling sideshow and be fun to watch. But I think Robert Sala, um, Richard Sherman's talked about what a good coach he is. Kyle Shanahan. We've heard him talk about how important Robert Sala was to what they do. Um, and you're following Adam Gase. So the bar is incredibly low. The bar is literally four feet underground. So you're, you're good. As long as you can walk without tripping, I think you're on the right track. So figure out what to do with Sam Darnold. Trade down if you want. Draft someone at two. I don't care. Trade for Deshaun Watson. I even love it more then. So I'll go with Robert Sala. Uh, no complaints. I think you'd even say that Jets fans qualify because yeah. for the first time, wait, who's before Todd Bowles before Adam Gase? Seems like 40 years ago. And yeah. Rex Ryan before Todd Bowles. <laughs> hey, Rex Ryan went to two AFC title games. I know, but those last three or four years of Rex Ryan were rough for Jets fans. I mean, you had the Tebow. The, Ryan was live blogging Tebow and Mark Sanchez game. Sanjbo. Sanjbo. Uh, Eric Mangini before Todd Bowles or before Rex Ryan? No, no, but I'm just saying like the, like, I guess, I think I thought Todd Bowles was an underrated coach for the Jets, but he didn't get anybody excited, you know? And obviously Adam Gase didn't get right excited. He hired him away from the Dolphins after he got fired and he did the taco, looked at tacos during his, and listened to the Celine Dion during his opening press conference. In my mind, that's actually what happened somehow. Um, so that didn't do a whole lot for, you know, hadn't, the Jets fans, Jets fans haven't felt any hope in, I don't know, 10 Since plus 2009, years. 2010. That's when they yeah. went to back to back. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's been like, it's been like eight to 10 years since Jets fans have felt any semblance of hope and lack of dysfunction. And I do think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, even if, even if Woody and Christopher Johnson are just bad owners and submarine the whole thing, and even if they can't find the quarterback and it doesn't work out, like you at least have to be, have hope that you, you feel like you have two football guys who are earnest and not these, and for so, I mean, for so long, it's been this like, pat, like just weaselly power structure battles in New York dating back to the Rex, right? I mean, Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum, again, two AFC title games, but they were, you know, always, like, there was always back channel stuff. And then you had, Mike McCagnan and John Edzik and just always bickering between the front office and the coaching staff. And you feel like these guys are going to be in sync and we haven't seen it yet, but I just feel like that's going to be the case. And I think if I'm a Jets fan, I'd be hopeful for that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. My winners, I've got a, I've got a, you know, like you have a trio of appetizers. Oh boy. I have a trio of quarterbacks. Cause I was going to say I had, or listened to all of them. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we didn't really cover him. So very quickly, I'll point out that Matthew Stafford makes the list because he's getting out of Detroit. And I really do think he has a chance to elevate his standing uh, among, I don't, look, I think he'll become a Hall of Famer. I know that's probably a stretch for a lot of people, but I think he can go, I think he can go somewhere like San Francisco or, you know, New England 
or Indianapolis and have enough success that that's actually a reality and that he's been mired in Detroit where things are terrible and things could become really terrible without a quarterback uh, there. So I think Matthew Stafford's a huge winner. We already covered the Lions. Uh, the other two quarterbacks, guys who are probably – I think Matt Ryan's a big winner because Arthur mm-hmm. Smith did awesome things with, with Ryan Tannehill. Matt Ryan's a former MVP. And Matt yeah, Ryan is how now probably – What's How concerned that? are you that Arthur Smith is going to coach and call plays? No, nah, not that concerned. All right. I, I think, but I think Ryan's a big winner because he gets to stay. I think he's staying in Atlanta. Like it's a lock now. Maybe they draft somebody with that high pick. That wouldn't be shocking, but I think he's going to get a chance to come in and play really well, play really well under Arthur Smith. And if he does, then he's coming back for one more year just because of his contract situation. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think Matt Ryan stays, and you get an offensive mind, which you've never had. He's never as had a head an offensive. Coach. That's crazy. That is. You had Mike Smith, and then you went to Dan Quinn, and now this is somebody who you know you can sit in meetings. He wasn't doing that with Dan Quinn and like uh, shooting ideas off each other, and now you do want to feel like your head coach is kind of in your head about what you're going to do on the field. And who, now Matt, Matt Ryan has that. It was like Mike Malarkey. Um. He had a uh, third cutter a four or five times. <laughs> and then obviously Kyle Shanahan, who was great. Sark I just think, was there. Who was? Sark. Oh yeah, Sark. Yeah. Sark was actually better than we gave him credit for. Um, but to, to the point being, it's like when he had a great offensive coordinator in Kyle Shanahan, like a great offensive mind working with him, he put up an MVP season. And I mean, we'll see. We'll I just see. think he's a winner in that sense. And then the oh. other guy that I think is a winner is Justin Herbert. The Chargers did not bring him an offensive mind, but I got, I got good vibes for Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley is going to kill it in LA. I just think I saw, he just, I saw him talking to, um, McAfee and that was actually really interesting. He seemed like a, a smart guy. He's obviously young. He's whatever in his thirties, 35. So he's not like McVeigh young. That's pretty young. Five, but still five years ago, he was a D3. Where was it? John Carroll reach? John Carroll. Yeah. yeah so. and, and he, he's 38, not 35. Oh, he's 38, sorry. Yeah. So he's like my age. Handsomer though. Sure. But, but I think, I think he came in and sold the Chargers on giving him that job by stating that he has a plan for Justin Herbert. And I think he'll have a plan for that defense. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers were the second best team in that division immediately with the chance to at least challenge the Chiefs. Yeah, who knows? I mean, you're sleeping on Derek Carr again, but that's do that at your own peril. No. Uh, but don't forget his first hire and an important one, offensive coordinator. Who did he pick? Joe Lombardi. I love it. You love it? The guy who got fired by the Detroit Lions as an offensive well, coordinator? Lions fired everybody, but Lions. Well, I'm just saying that. Where did he bring Lombardi from? I, if you want a guy who's developing a quarterback, I don't know if Joe Lombardi's my guy. <laughs> didn't I mean? Am I crazy or did, didn't Joe Lombardi spend like 15 years with the Saints? He just spent the past five with the Saints. He's a quarterbacks oh, coach. No, like, how hard this, is he, it to be Drew Brees' quarterbacks coach? He was he was in the Saints from 2009 to 2013. Then went to Detroit for a few years. Where he then got came fired. back to the Saints. He went to he's Detroit. Got, he's got, got fired. Eight years with the. He's got eight, look. Joe, Joe Lombardi spent eight years working directly under Sean Payton. Yes, I that's that. I don't think that's a bad thing for for Justin Herbert. I mean, Drew Brees and Sean Payton kind of do their own thing. How much was Joe Lombardi actually doing? Okay. 
it's both ways. Maybe it works out. He was in, if, if you're working under Sean Payton, obviously, and, and you're learning all that, that's a good thing. You could end up having a fantastic offense well, with the Chargers. Okay. I just thought if you're trying to develop Herbert, you would have brought somebody in with a little more offensive coordinating experience. That's all. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a miserable season for Matthew Stafford when the Lions went 11-5 and five with Joe Lombardi as their uh, offensive coordinator. Hmm? Anyway, all right, that's uh, that'll do it for winners and losers. Thanks for listening. We'll have a mailbag show in the feed for tomorrow. Make sure and check that out. For Ryan and John, I will. See you guys later. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.